but I discovered that I, I love listening to music and I'm not really that great of a musician at all, a player. And I'd rather do the research. So I talked to the graduate program about doing a master's degree and they said, yeah, sure. So they let me in and uh, I started just taking the courses that I needed to take. I remember taking a course on bibliography, but I got to take fun courses like uh, an entire course on the Sonata form, um, which was really a lot of fun. I took an entire course on Brahms. I always liked Brahms' music. Um, but I also got to take a course on avant-garde rock and jazz. Um, and I wanted to do a thesis on doo-wop. So I wrote a thesis basically about how the Atlantic record label was better than the Rama record label and sat through listening to dozens of doo-wop recordings. Um, so I, I guess why? I don't know. I just, it was, it was fun. <laughs> it just looked like something fun I could do. And I guess Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, but we are off the Bruce Springsteen train today. We are talking to a referral. Some of my favorite podcast episodes are when a previous guest says you got to talk to this person and that's what happened to this one i uh my friends over at the travel podcast uh said dave Barr is absolutely an amazing guest and you've got to have him on so i reached out to dave he said well i'm not that amazing but i'm willing to join you anyway dave welcome to the podcast well hello there podcast land it's it's good to Good to be here. Thank you for having me. I, I don't think I'm that amazing, but I'm just as self-effacing as you can get. So, you know, whatever that, yeah, everybody just flipped their things and said, right, next episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Dave, before we get started, tell us a little about yourself. What's your elevator pitch? Uh, my elevator pitch. I always love it because I'm never in an elevator when they ask. Um, <laughs> exactly. I, uh, I was born totally blind. Um I was born three months premature, and um, I work as a disability advocate and accessibility consultant. Um, and so now I'm starting to kind of pivot my business towards uh, hospitality, travel, and tourism, which is why you heard about the folks from the travel podcast. They just happened to message me about, hey, what is it like to be blind and travel? And I'm like, well, I mean, it's pretty much like being sighted, except not being able to see yeah. Um, and we got on a call last week and just sort of chatted back and forth about uh, how, you know, I had gone to different places and, and things like that. Um, so I got, I went, I'm in Colorado and I went through mainstream public schools. Um, let's see, I went to the University of Denver and then the University of Colorado Boulder. Um, I got a bachelor's in psychology and a master's in historical musicology, which is why this piqued my interest. Um, met the woman who became my wife in 2000. We met in 2011, we were married in 2014. Unfortunately, um, she passed away of a brain aneurysm in 2017. She was in a, a wheelchair and had, had brittle bones, which is oh, a, a disorder. House very uh, sad. Yes, it, it's, it's, I'm not gonna lie, it's been tough, but we connected yeah. through music. Um, and so we, we, we bonded through music and our wedding, was a wedding of music it was a vintage wedding and all of the music was stuff that she and i picked nothing past 1965. um we were big vintage she was a big vintage movie person i'm a big vintage music person um little knowing that my vintage would go back to 10th century chant manuscripts but that's what i studied in college was chant yeah. and actually i did my thesis on um but I, I wanted to do a thesis on doo-wop. So I got to do my, my master's thesis on doo-wop records. Um, but Priscilla and I bonded through music. And since then I wrote a book, it's on Amazon um, called Brave, The Adventures of the Blind and the Brittle. Um, Brave is Priscilla and Dave. And 
prave is proud and brave, according to somebody at the Urban Dictionary. So it, it's gotten good reviews. It, it was a memoir. It was a catharsis. I did an audio book of it last year, which was tough um, because, you know, it was just a way for me to tell our story. But it was a way to tell about disability advocacy as well. Uh, it's not a kid's book <laughs> at all. Um, there, there's, there's too much swearing in it. I have been thinking about writing a children's book, but but I don't know. I don't know yet. I'm not much of a kid person. I'm not yeah. much of a people person sometimes. But so anyway, that's the really long, long elevator pitch about. Well, uh, well that's uh, a great elevator pitch, and it gave me so many avenues that I want to talk to you about. Um, so I I want to start out with the cliche is well, he can't see, so of course he would be drawn to music but that is yeah. not necessarily i mean that's kind of a cliche right that isn't necessarily yeah. true i have friends who are fantastic musicians and are blind and i have friends who are like i couldn't carry a tune in a bucket and i love but i love music and they're blind yeah. and i and i have friends that are like music doesn't interest me in the slightest but when i was a kid i played piano for a little bit i'm not a great musician right. um, but everybody kept saying wow, you're going to be the next Ray Charles. You're going to be the next Stevie Wonder. And I wasn't that great at all. Yeah. But, you know, like, you want to tell these little... And for years, I ignored the music of Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder for that reason, because it was like, I don't want to be them. Right. Don't compare me to them. And then it, it took until I was about 19 before I started listening to the music of Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder and went, oh, that's what it's about. Okay, <laughs> I get it. You know, yeah, um, and so yeah, it's totally. I, I had yes, I have perfect pitch, which is a pain when you're in, you know. And I, I never, I taught myself Braille music in college because okay. I had to. I couldn't read music. I had to teach myself Braille music in college so that I could get through music theory. I was terrible at it. I, I couldn't. Now looking at a sheet of Braille music, I couldn't sight read something if I had to. Yeah, uh, it's been it's been long enough, but. Yes, total cliche. Oh, well, they're blind. They must be great musicians. But there's also that same cliche that if you're a musician, you must be a human jukebox. And if you happen to play piano, you must be able to play every song under the sun, right? Right. I have a really good friend who's a fantastic musician, but he plays a lot of, you know, he plays some classical stuff and, and some neoclassical stuff. And, uh, and um, you know, people seem to think he can just like pop out any tune known to man. And he's like, eh maybe not really um but he's he's a good friend of mine but anyway yeah so i would have went my age i would have said um would you, would you want to be the next ronnie Millsap because right. of my age group right? right like i graduated high school in 77 right mm -hmm. when right during his time yeah yeah during he i mean he was putting out the country hits and then went over to pop and and just did great and i was oh, lucky yeah. enough to see him perform a couple of times and just an amazing musician and an amazing songwriter oh, yeah. um the so let's i always like to start at the beginning dave so growing up was there a lot of music in your household and, and if so what kind of music did your parents listen to this is where my parents are going to listen and be like god he better get this right um, <laughs> My, my, my parents listened to, my dad likes a lot of 70s singer-songwriter folk stuff, uh, the James Taylors, the Carly Simons, and, and people like that. And so I grew up with that. Mom, um, she, for, I guess during her college days, she was a queen ACDC type person, which I find kind of, but now my, 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 my mother listens to, to more modern music than I do, actually, and I'll admit that. Uh, I listened to a lot of old stuff, um, but boy, growing up, I listened to most, I would say most of the music in, in the, in the house. This is where I'm getting self-conscious because I'm like, God, I, if they hear this, what are they going to think? Um, but I don't know. We, you know, we, we go, mom goes to like, mom will listen to anything. She went with me to, to Ben Harper. She, you know, she and. Dad and I saw Garth Brooks together when Priscilla was alive. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a huge Garth Brooks fan. Um, and uh, she saw David Gray with me the first time I saw him. I've seen him like five or six times. Um, and he's kind of the, the musical linchpin. But growing up, 
yeah, I think that that's what I that's what I remember. And Dad listening okay. to a lot of a lot of uh, CSNY and a lot of uh, you know, as Dad will call it, old hippie music. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and uh, so I I grew up with with that. I grew up listening to a lot of the Beatles, uh, both sides of the Beatles, the early stuff, and then the post the Revolver stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's what I that's what I remember a lot. A lot of Jen, uh, John Denver's Back Home Again is a good album that, that Dad always liked to play and stuff like that. Yeah, I have a a sore spot that, and I I understand why, but it still frustrates me that um, John Denver is not in the Country Music Hall of Fame, and he's not in the Cleveland Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I realized he was a little too pop to maybe be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but it seems a shame he's not in the Country Music Hall of Fame because there was that time in the 70s and early 80s where, you know, he was dominating the charts and pop culture, you know, on TV shows, you know, with the Muppets and specials and um, went to... Um, I saw him multiple times in concert and was, you know, he was a great showman, uh, yes. you know, persona. So, yeah, I, I love uh, listening to his music and just always a little bit that, you know, I. He wanted to straddle that line and he never quite made it. And people like are in one camp or the other, you know. Yeah. Country and, pop thing. Yeah. And yet, you know, Eddie Arnold, did the same thing for an earlier generation yeah and, and jim reeves did and oh. it's like so why not john denver yeah and I you know, know and and i also think of i remember in an interview um he shared a manager with kenny rogers and harry chapin um huh. and so when they did we are the world you know he wasn't involved even though he had been fighting for hunger years you know of way before you know uh the you know along with harry chapin because they shared a manager and i always i remember an interview talking about that he would have just loved to have been there that night you know to have that but you know john Denver is a little uncool to be there um i just yeah i i think that's really too bad and there are plenty of my buddies who are more I am a casual sports fan at best. I, I tend to watch the Dallas local teams. Um, and then once they're out of the playoff hunt, I quit looking. Um, but I have passionate friends who are very, very, will get, go on diaries and, and, you know, passionate pleas on why a player isn't in the, in the football hall of fame or the basketball hall of fame or, or whatever. And I tend to more think of musicians like, you know, like why aren't they getting their credit due? Uh, Because, you know, it goes through cycles and what, you know, what is mainstream pop later becomes, you know, it was selling records and it was making a lot of people money and it was bringing entertainment to a lot of different people. So I always think of that. So um, that thanks for that reminder. And it, that was a fun thought. Yeah. you you said you go to college and you, one of your minors or one of the things was, was a musicology music history i you know yeah i got a master's in it actually yeah why i i what what about that why did when you got your undergraduate why did you decide that's where you wanted to go for a master's so i started doing a bachelor's in psych and i started doing cognitive neuroscience and i realized that i wasn't interested really in cognitive because it was very visual and ironically, the, the work that made me realize that I couldn't really do it was I wanted to figure out somehow the neuronal basis of birdsong. I was fascinated by like, why do birds sing? What do they do? And I started reading these articles that at this time were like, I don't know, 15, 20 years old. And I started reading these articles and they had these histograms on them. And I'm like, oh boy oh, this is not working. This is not going to work. Because there was no way like people were going to describe to me what all this stuff was as a blind person. I'm like, this is not going to work. Sure. And I, I start, I always, I guess what started me originally into musicology was in high school. 
I had just, I graduated in 05, to give you a reference. I started realizing that I could research music. So I spent my spare time researching country music in particular, um, and then jazz. And so when I got to college, I, when I went to CU Boulder, I don't know, it just sort of developed that I, I started talking to the music. I just went over to the music school and was like, so I can do, can I get a bachelor's in musicology? And they said, yes. And I started, long story short, I never tell short stories. Good. Uh, that is always a good thing when you're a guest <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I, could, I can tell very long stories. Went to the voice people and said, you know, I could do some voice stuff. And they said, okay, send us a sample. And they were like, yeah, your voice isn't really that great, which is, you know, it's, it's not trained or anything here. Um, but I did end up going into music theory and music history, taught myself the rudiments of Braille music over the summer. It's complicated. It's a pain. I, I understand why it works the way it does, but it's, it's not easy. I did okay in, in, in oral skills, which is ear training. I did really well in music theory, though. Music theory, I understood really well. And they, they paid somebody uh, from the music department to transcribe things for me and do chord progressions and stuff like that. And so I kind of had my own musical scribe for, for theory. You know, they say, all right, you know, we're, in, we're in a G major. And now you're going to write a, a bass line for, for this and, and, and sit at the keyboard and do it. Um, but I discovered that I, I love listening to music and I'm not really that great of a musician at all, a player. And I'd rather do the research. So I talked to the graduate program about doing a master's degree and they said, yeah, sure. So they let me in and uh, I started just taking the courses that I needed to take. I remember taking a course on bibliography, but I got to take fun courses like uh, an entire course on the Sonata form. Um, which was really a lot of fun. I took an entire course on Brahms. I always liked Brahms' music. Um, but I also got to take a course on avant-garde rock and jazz. Um, and I wanted to do a thesis on doo-wop. So I wrote a thesis basically about how the Atlantic record label was better than the Rama record label and sat through listening to dozens of doo-wop recordings. Um, so I, I guess why? I don't know. I just was it was fun. <laughs> it just looked like something fun I could do. And I got encouragement and uh, I was doing my thesis at the same time that Priscilla and I were looking to buy a house that fell through, but that's another story. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it just, it, I found myself just loving the fact that I was getting to do what I loved and you know, kind of like I do now just with disability advocacy. Like I get to do, what I really want to do, which is talk to people about dealing with people with disabilities and making people laugh when I tell them stories and stuff like that. And so, um, but no, I just, the musicology thing was just something fun to do. I wasn't going to teach um, in it. I just, but I knew I wanted to complete the degree and I completed the degree. You know, I love that story. I, I have a really good friend um, who got like his grad, his undergraduate degree like in religion and philosophy. And, you know, he talked about he had a great four years. He got to study everything he wanted to study. He got to read everything he wanted to read. And then he got his degree and then he joined the Navy because they would give him practical business application, right? Like, right. like they wanted him to go to officer school and he's, cause he had a degree and he's like, no, no, no. I, I just want, I need to learn a trade because my degree, I have no interest in teaching. I have no idea. This was just for me to have four years of scratching that itch. And now then I need to find something that'll help me make a living. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's always kind of neat if you can reach that and then do that. Um, so um, let's, let's, how did you get into this this advocacy you're doing? Um, I, I read a little bit, um, and I, I I don't I I don't know if that's really uh, was it a joke you're talking about or a work in progress like why you don't move around the furniture, how to work with someone, you know, you know, and and I read that and I just started giggling so much, yeah. uh, you know. So, it wasn't a joke. Don't don't move the furniture. Um, yes. Don't. Keep it where it is uh, yes. at all times. However, it's supposed to be set up. Just keep it there. Yeah. Um, 
kind of a joke. I did a presentation, yeah, on my uh, last week uh, that I titled, Who Moved All the Furniture Around? Um, tips on working with somebody with a disability in the workplace. And basically it was, a, it was a way for me to tell stories and it was a way for me to say, you know, look, when you've got somebody who's blind, it's best if you keep things in, in one spot. You know, if you've got K-cups in the K-cup uh, holder, keep the coffee on one side and the tea on the other and like, let me know which, which cups are which. So I got into the disability advocacy thanks to, to Priscilla and the work that she and I were doing before she passed away. We were doing some leadership work uh, and some coaching and working with a, 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 um, a group down here. Um, called JFK Partners in, in Colorado. She was their social media person and she was great for that sort of job. She was the social butterfly. I was the person in the, in the cocoon um, listening to old records and uh, stuff like that. But uh, I've just sort of now in the past couple of weeks realized, you know, I'd love to focus on hospitality and tourism and travel because I just yeah. feel like there's this disconnect when I go to the airport and get asked 10 times if I need a wheelchair. Uh, I don't, I, I can't see, but my legs work fine. Right. Uh, you know, and it's sometimes it's tough to like bite my tongue and just politely say, no, thank you. Uh, I just need a guide to my gate. Um, but uh, yeah, so sort of tongue in cheek who moved all the furniture around. You know? Yeah. So let's maybe, I guess we need to go back because if, if because of you and, your lovely bride kind of led you to this. Let's talk about how did you meet her and, and tell me we a little met, bit about that. Well, you got to go back to music though, too. Okay, um, please. Great. We, well, so we'll go back to music. So we met in the assistive technology lab at, at CU Boulder. Okay. Uh, to, to be brief. Uh, but we really, on our first date, our first date ended up being mostly talking about music. Um, we went out to a restaurant and she said, that, you know, she was, she said that uh, she was named after her, her mother was a big Elvis fan. And okay. she said, you know, my mom loved Elvis. And so she named, you know, they named me after Elvis's wife, Priscilla. And I said, oh, that's great. And she said, I, I don't really like a lot of your, you know, poppy top 40 stuff. She said, I, I tend to like older stuff like the Everly Brothers and uh, Roy Orbison and Sam Cooke. And I said, wait, you know you know who Sam Cooke is because I didn't know anybody around me, my age, they knew who Sam Cooke was. And I'd grown up in high school singing as much Sam Cooke as I could possibly sing. Like the guy was like my, my, my guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I, I was like, wait, you know who Sam Cooke is? And I said, I have like his whole discography. I'll send it to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we ended up just talking and I said, yeah, I love, you know, Sinatra and, and Tommy Dorsey and, and the, you know, jazz. And I, I said, I'm in musicology and just, you know, um, it was, it was a great first date, but uh, yeah, we, we met in the assistive tech lab. She, uh, she was working for uh, an organization that I uh, was a part of their first meeting and wanted nothing to do with because it was self-advocacy. I was at the time was a very angry individual and, this is like 10 years ago, 11 years ago now. And I was like, I don't want to deal with self-advocacy because I had done enough of it in life. And this was an organization de dealing with self-advocacy in college. And I was like, whatever, you know, you just, I didn't feel like dealing with it. And there yeah. was this, this woman with this very unique voice named Priscilla. And I remember thinking, that's a very, very interesting voice. I had no idea what she looked like. I had no idea, you know, who she was, what, what disability she had but she kind of had this this voice like this well she had this voice because people with brittle bones are smaller priscilla in, in her case was two foot ten wow um, yeah and um and so everything in her body was all kind of squished including her vocal cords so she kind of had this this cute little voice and um i she ended up coming up to me at that meeting and I was just not in a good mood. I looked like hell. And I was like, she's like, hi, I'm Priscilla. What's your name? And I'm like, Dave. And she's like, oh, you have a really nice dog. I had a guide dog at the time. What's your, day, what's your dog's name? And I said, Katie. She's like, oh, well, well, have a good day. And she zipped off. And I'm like, 
And I left the meeting. And I asked her later when we, after we started dating, I'm like, what did you think of me that first time she, we met? She's like, oh, I thought you were a total dick. <laughs> <laughs> we laughed. And it was because it was true. I was. I was just not in a good state. And yeah. now, 10 years, 10 years later, it's been completely reversed where I'm like, yes, I want to do self-advocacy and disability advocacy because I feel like these stories need to be told. And, um, but yeah, we... Uh, we used to make fun of each other's musical taste. Priscilla was the rocker. She was born in 78. And so she, she, she was the eighties rocker chick. And I was, as she used to call it, all your emo shit, like David Gray, yeah, uh, Tori Amos, Iron and Wine, Amos Lee, Ray LaMontagne, um, Tim Buckley, some of the early Tim Buckley. Uh, you know, but- David Gray was like my, my guy, man. He still is. You but, mentioned uh, though, Dave, that, your wedding playlist had nothing before 65. So you guys found a middle ground, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah, we did. It was funny. We sat through that. We sat there with both of our uh, laptops open and I have a huge, you know, hard drive of stuff. And she's like, what about this song? And I'm like, no, that was 66. What about this? Yeah, that would work. Wait, let's play it. And we play it. And no, not really wedding material. Okay. We called it down to like 250 tracks, and uh, it, it was fun. Nobody left the dance floor that night. Why 65? You know, we didn't want to do the hippie flower power stuff. Okay. Uh, and the psychedelic stuff, or or things that were really long, you know? Sure. We wanted to um, put stuff in there. We just wanted to kind of the three-minute record. So it just seemed like a good cutoff date. And it was kind of that pre I, I said let's do something pre-revolver right because once revolver hit and then sergeant pepper and then magical mystery tour things changed people talk about sergeant pepper being kind of that focused like wow the world changed after sergeant i would argue it changed after revolver once yeah. they realized what they could do on revolver then it was like okay now what can we do you know and of course the drugs took cold and that laugh but yeah it was yeah. kind of that dividing line that was like that, 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 I don't, you know, we wanted, we had some of the Beatles stuff in there, but I think we just wanted sort of that early British invasion stuff. Cause I would argue because I'm a huge Brian Wilson beach boy fan that pet sounds is in there too. Right. That, yeah. that, that I, I think totally. revolver, then they hear pet sounds and they go, Oh, wait, you know, we could do something, you know, and right, right, uh, right. that, and, you know, and McCartney has talked about that, right. That pet sounds blew his mind and he still, um, you know, if you, great record. yeah, yeah, it is a great record. <laughs> it is just a fantastic record. It is, it is when I'm asked often, what album do you listen to multiple times each year? People are always surprised that I say pet sounds instead of a Springsteen album. And, and I listen to plenty of Bruce Springsteen's. I do a Bruce Springsteen podcast and there are certainly Bruce's on my playlist more than any other artist, but, but pet sounds, there's something about sitting there with your headphones and just enjoying that, right? And just enjoying that. It's been journey. years since I've heard that album. Well, I know, you know, I mean, I know bits of it, but it's been yeah. a long time since I played it. Yeah, that's and it's a short album, considering yeah. you know it is that you know, and because of that, you're talking about right the the short songs and the working on that. That's that's amazing. Which is harder to do than the longer stuff. Yes, but, it is. You know, it really is harder to do the three minute record sometimes than the 18 minute in a got a Davida, you know? Yeah. Never ends. And, you know, and I, you know, um, you know, the, the Bruce line, we learn more from a three minute record than we ever learned at school. Um, I have a lot of people who are fans that go, I'm a teacher and I still embrace that line because I do think sometimes that the, what, music and rock and roll and country and every other you know jazz and name whatever other genre you want can teach us so much so it's good yeah do um so you're do you feel and i'm gonna get serious for just a little minute but we i promise we'll throw some jokes in there somehow do you feel most quote-unquote bosses want to do the right thing with 
there are employees that may have a disability and they just don't know how to do it? Pretty much. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of it is, and uh, you know, the, the fear is offending, right? You don't want to offend somebody. And my kind of counter argument in a way to that is that I think some, I'm not saying all, I'm saying some political correctness is actually more offensive than it's meant to be. Um, I'm thinking of words like differently abled or handy capable. Yeah. Um, words that to me just sound kind of asinine. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's not how I grew up. I grew up being known as blind. Um, now, if you, if you are using what's called person first language, it's person with a visual impairment. For me, I don't have any vision, so I'm okay with blind. Yeah. Um, lacking of sight. I've heard that one. I've heard sightless. I've heard uh, those are the ones, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, people want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing for a situation that I don't understand, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'm going to make mistakes and I know that and I'll own up to my mistakes too. Yeah. And I think one of the things that hurts us as a society is that people are quick to believe the best in themselves and the worst in someone else. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Um, so I have, I have, I have had experiences working with people who are visually impaired or blind. And one of my, one of my first bosses, um, her, uh, eyesight was failing. And, uh, so Mary was going to retire. And so they sent Sam and I to go pick up snacks and, and, you know, a cake and we were at Walmart and they said, get a card. So we're like, okay. So um, Sam and I are spending 20 minutes going through every card to try to find the right, like, how do you say congratulations on retirement? And no, oh, this one isn't funny or this one isn't serious. And then Sam goes, wait a minute, Mary's blind. She can't see the damn card anyway. Why are we worried about this? And, and so I go, oh my God, that is so wrong. That is right. So we picked a card and then everyone signed it. And then we told Mary that story and she laughed louder and longer than anyone oh, yeah. I've seen in the longest time. Right. Like she's like, exactly. Uh, so you, what, <laughs> What are some, what are some, I guess, what are some suggestions do you give to organizations that are looking to be inclusive? And I also want to hear some of your, your travel thoughts and, and recommendations. So that's kind of a broad question, but, you know, weave away as you have done a great job so far, Dave, and telling fun stories. Well, then there was this one time. Um, yeah. So I... Once at band guess, camp. Right. Yeah. Which, yeah. Okay. Um, as far as organizations, I think my biggest thing that I always tell people is don't be afraid to ask questions. Because if you don't ask, you won't know. Yeah. And chances are, I've heard the question before. Right. I've been now in, in my case, I've been blind all my life. I've heard a lot of strange things. I've heard yeah. a lot of funny things. I've heard a lot of serious things i've heard a lot of you know i've gotten a lot of pity and stuff like that so it's kind of like well chances are i i if i and if i don't know the answer to the question i will tell you yeah or if something offends me i'm going to tell you hey that's offensive and i might not have the words to figure out why but let me let me figure out why that's offensive but rarely do i get offended um but it's, I think that's the biggest thing. Because um, I have on my notes, as we were talking, and I do this a couple of times with someone, um, there, uh, Douglas Adams had a novel where in the character, someone mentions that he's a private detective, and the woman says... I used to have a neighbor that played the tuba and you're like, what? And she said, and he would keep the, the question he would be asked all the time is, you know, 
how do you store it or what do you do it? And she goes, and I'm trying to think what question that you as a private detective gets all the time. So I won't ask that question. I always love that brilliance. And so a couple of times, like I've had a playmate playmate on and I go, what, what question are you tired of being asked or what, and then what question do you wish people would ask? So as someone who's been blind their whole life, is there a question you dislike being asked or you, and is there something you wish more people would ask? That's a tough question. Um, is there a question I get tired of being asked? I guess what's it like to be blind gets pretty tiring. Yes. Because my response back to them is usually, well, what's it like to be sighted? I've never yeah. known anything else for me. Yeah. When did you um, first know you were gay? Well, when did you first know you were straight? Right. Like right, that. Exactly. that uh, yeah, exactly. Sort of that thing. same. Yeah, exactly. Um, what do I wish people would ask more? And there may not be one. I just I don't, was curious. I don't know if there is. I don't know okay. if there is. At least you didn't ask me a, a question that somebody asked me when I did one podcast, which was, what do you wish someone would ask you during an interview? And they were interviewing me. Yeah. Well, now, what I usually do is I say, what should I have asked you that I hadn't? And the reason why, and I've told this story multiple times, Dave, is I had a guy on the podcast. It was a good podcast. It was at the end. Um, I had signed off. I had hit stop record. And he said, oh, next time I'm on, I should tell you about the time I got drunk with E Street Band. I'm like, what? That's prime how, material there. How, how do you do a whole Bruce Springsteen podcast yeah. and not tell that story? So I started asking that question like, okay, do you have a, like, uh, you know, because I don't want you to bury the lead like, oh, yes, Um you know, I, I actually have, you know, I was able to meet Bruce Springsteen and we talked about it, you know, or no, I went to college with Jessica, you know, Bruce's daughter. What? Right. So anyway, right. um, do you, um, so let's, let's talk a little bit more about the book um, and, and tell me the title again. So the title is Prave, P is in Paul, R-A-V-E. Okay. The adventures of the adventures of the blind and the brittle. Okay. It's on Amazon. Yeah, I, I will include the link. Um, it was it. This is the duh question, but was it cathartic telling the story? Did it help you heal a little bit? Because because I hear some humor in your voice, but it's very clear you miss your, you know, you miss Priscilla. That you know you guys had found a bond and, you know, and I hate to use the word soulmates because it's a cliche, but you guys obviously were good companions to quote Bruce on this part of the journey. So I, I know you miss her. Did that help a little? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I was, it was, a, it was an, it was, the thing about it is that Priscilla and I had talked about writing a book before she died. We talked about writing some sort of like, we need to just, we had so many crazy adventures. We just, we need to write this shit down. Yeah. And we had like joking titles. I don't remember what they were now, but like, you know, just sort of toss it around. And, yeah. And um, so afterwards it just, I just started writing and I started with the hard part first. I started with her death and her funeral and then I yeah. started and just sort of, you know, rereading the book when I did the audio version that's on Audible, it's, there are parts of it I was like, wow, that was really vulnerable. There were parts of it I'm like, that could have been written better. Um, there were, you know, but I think it, it, there were also times where I was reading my own story and didn't realize I was reading my own story. Yeah. So, which is, is you know, which was great. Um, I think, yes, it was, it was cathartic. Yes, I do miss her. Um, she wanted to be a, a writer too. She was actually a double major in broadcast news and political science. Mm -hmm. uh, and unfortunately she had a big accident and a stroke and that sort of derailed a lot of the broadcast news stuff. Um, yeah. More about that in the book. But yeah. I think what your, your previous guest I'm going to pause here because I don't know if you want to put this in. Yeah, not. go, no, go, please. But 
your, well, your previous guest made a comment that I really resonated with about um, her saying that, you know, once you get it down in a memoir, you don't really have to talk about it as much and like open up that wound as much. And I find that it's kind of the same thing. Like a lot of the times I feel like just being like, just, just read the book. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, if you want to know about it, just read the book because it's sometimes it's just tough to talk about. And yeah, like the travel stories and stuff and the things that, cause we traveled to a lot of conferences together and things we experienced. And those didn't make it into the book. It's, it's not a very long book. It's about 200 pages. Um, but you know, some of the stuff didn't make it in the book because, it, because I needed to keep a flow. I needed to keep yeah. the narrative going. Um, and, uh, and some of that didn't make it in. Where was I going with that? Well, oh, and that's awesome. Thank you for the Star Trek sound. Yes, thank you. That's my text. Um, that's my text uh, alert. And I always get a kick out that it was hilarious that someone said, um, oh, that's a bird chirping. And someone else said, yeah, you, will never, no, now, you will never get promoted now that you you need to learn what that that chirp means. Um, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very nice. Did you... Um, no, you were talking about, you know, the stories there were, I, and how sometimes once you write that memorial, that down, I, I think back to, I just watched a Tina Turner documentary and she, one of Priscilla's favorites. yes. And she talked about that. One of the reasons she told the story and she supported the movie of her is so she wouldn't have to talk about her life and the way Ike Turner te- treated her anymore. Right. Yet people keep bringing it up. Yeah. And, and she's like, I, I've, I've told that story. I, I, you know, I want to move on to something else now. And, and I, I get that. I get that from both sides. I'm like, okay. Um, and there's um, a great scene in the the science fiction show Firefly, where um, the the doctor is is talking about why did you come back and look for me? You know, you don't even like me. And and the Nathan Fillion character, the captain, says because you're part of my crew. And the guy keeps going on and on about, and he goes. I've already answered you. You're part of my crew. Why are we still talking about this? You know, and, and um, it goes both ways. Yes, it does. It really does. And, and I, you know, and of course, and I still love talking about Priscilla and love keeping those stories alive. And I yes. keep the good memories alive. And, you know, I wrote it, I wrote it, I wrote it as a catharsis, but I also wrote it as a way to, to promote disability advocacy Yeah, between the two of us. Because we made, I think the back of the book says something like, we made up for each other's shortcomings and had one hell of a time doing it or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Wrote, but I know it says something like that. And I, I wanted people to just, I wanted people to get involved in, in the love story and the advocacy and, and learn from the book as well. And I think yeah. that's what had Priscilla lived and we'd written a book. That's what it would have involved. I think too, is, is just like, we want a book that teaches things just okay. so that people know you know what to do and what not to do basically absolutely what's next for dave Barr? what what do you got on the agenda what what are you what goals are you trying to achieve next <sighs> there's always more baseball to listen to i'm a big baseball fanatic so. oh what now who's your favorite team well i, I might get slammed but uh I, I tend to be a mets and padres person uh, nothing wrong with that their, because I like the radio broadcasters. Yes. Um, and I'm mad at the Rockies for what they did with Nolan Arenado in that trade. So okay. uh, sorry, Rockies guys, but uh, y'all oh. are in a parallel universe over there. <laughs> um, I don't know where the Rockies owners are. I, I, uh, I think I should go pitch for them because I might have just as much luck. <laughs> uh, what's next for me? Um, I want to work more on, on giving presentations like I, I just gave to, to these uh, employee communications professionals on, uh-huh. on, a, on disability advocacy. I'd like to work more in the, in the hospitality and travel space. Um, I live a pretty quiet life. I, uh, 
you know, I, I, I enjoy just listening to music, lots of classical, lots of jazz. Okay. Uh, lots of, lots of old stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's really just kind of getting into me, you know, giving these dynamic, telling these dynamic stories, having people laugh at my jokes, like thankfully you've done a couple of times um, and uh, talking to the travel people and stuff like that. That's, that's, that's what's next. Good. Well, I, I meet, I just recently heard a baseball announcer story. So, and it has a Springsteen tie. Oh, so I, 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 Okay, go ahead. But I, I just remember. Okay, good. Good. So I want to hear that. I will remember. But um, Bob Costas was on the Rob Lowe uh, podcast, and he talked about that um, when Vin Scully was getting the Presidential Medal of Freedom, it was at the same time that Robert De Niro was getting it and Bruce Springsteen. And there was a whole, you know, President Obama was cleaning out the house. Right. And so uh, Vin Scully had asked Bob Costas to go with him. And so he says he's he's there in the reception area in the White House and Tom Hanks comes up to him and says, hey, Bob, how you doing? I'm doing fine, sir. And they look over, and Bruce Springsteen is talking to Vin Scully. And he goes, Tom, Bob says, man, I wonder what that conversation is. Yeah. And Tom Hanks, who does a good Vin Scully, says, I don't know, but I think what it's going to be is, and I can't do Vin Scully, but it's like, you know, Bruce, that Born in the USA album was really amazing. Mike Piazza hits uh, past second base. <laughs> now we're talking. That's hilarious. And I just, I rolled because first off, I think Vince Scully is the voice of baseball. I, oh, yeah. I just, yeah, I just, I love hearing him. And, and uh, we have, um, you know, we have a, in fact, we went to a baseball game Saturday night and the in stadium um, announcer has been there, you know, over 20 years, Chuck Morgan and, you know, hearing it's baseball time in Arlington and mm-hmm. my son who's 32 and my brother-in-law, you know, who's 61 and I, I we, we looked at each other and said, ah, it's a new baseball stadium, but it's still there, you know, it's yeah, just, that's it's it. time for Dodger baseball. Yeah. Oh, just, it just, it did. is. Yeah. I did a speech. The thing I was going to tell you about, I, yeah. I remember was I did a speech in front of 900 people in Boulder. Uh, it's on my website, I think about jazz singers and baseball Ah, and, okay. and baseball broadcasters in particular. And I got to do some of my favorite, you know, kind of sort of not so great baseball impersonation baseball announcer impersonation oh i i, I would was, definitely want to look it was at that. five minutes of fun because oh. it was it was just a blast you know i think i did john sterling of the yankees i did joe castiglione of the, the boston red sox uh bob euchre um i did a little sort of kind of meh vin scully thing but oh, because nice. i did it was it was it was fun. I forgot to do Pat Hughes of of, uh, of the Cubs, but I'm a radio person. I, I have a TV here, but it hasn't been turned on in a while. But I yeah I, I I when I'm not doing disability advocacy, I'm I'm people binge watch Netflix and I binge listen to baseball games. So. Well, I will tell you there is something about the sport that it you don't have to see. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, there is that nostalgia of a radio in the garage with yeah. your dad working on the car and hearing the baseball in the background. And um, it and I will often um, till Verizon, my cable provider, gotten a you know fight with uh fox southwest and so now then i do not get the texas ranger games but i would often on the summer just move that to the channel 
And then while I'm doing work, I would just have it in the background. And, uh, and I often in the car will turn it on to the radio, you know, when the Rangers are playing and just listen to it. And just that. The Rockies are playing the Rangers today. Ah, okay. Uh, the Astros were playing them this weekend. And uh, mm-hmm. the game I went to on Saturday, the Astros totally destroyed the Rangers. Was that the, like 13 to 2 win or whatever it was? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It was not. It was not I even, saw that. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, boy, I know. that hurts. Yeah, the Rangers <laughs> now have had five uh, losing seasons in a row. And we're just like, you know, will they ever get good again? Well, and they uh, traded away Gallo, too. And yes, and I know. And I was. Um, I, in fact, I was um, I, I was happy for all my Springsteen fans who are Yankee fans. Uh, you know, we tend to um, whether you're a, a, a you know a New York Giants, a New York Yankees, or Mets, or you know the Washington Football Team, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Phillies, we all tend to forgive each other's sports alliances because of love of Springsteen. <laughs> you know, overcomes all that. Every once in a while, I'll have someone. I can't believe I'm friends with a Dallas Cowboy fan, and I'm like, hey, the magic of Springsteen. There you go. All right. Um, I had given you homework and it's okay if you didn't do it, but uh, it's time. Okay. So if you are a friend of Dave's, you are not sure what the Mary question is, but um, let me give you a little background. Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area. He just recently retired. He actually is writing a book about his disability. He has a, um, a disease that is very rare and it's making him lose his muscles and his voice. So he's had to retire from teaching. And, um, but when he was teaching every year, his seniors would spend two days breaking apart the song Thunder Road. They would look at the lyrics. They would talk about the imagery that Bruce used in the song, compare it to Robert Frost, the road not taken. And at the end of the, two days he would ask the question does mary get in the car so dave i end every show with this question so does mary get in the car at the end of thunder road i don't think so okay my my gut feeling was no because of the line that was something like well here well, i don't i don't remember the full line but it was something like like here's the ride and it ain't free or something yeah. like that i was like well it's not free why get in I love that. That's great. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just me being materialistic. But. No. Uh, so 60, 40, 60% of my guests say, yes, she gets in about 40% says she doesn't. So you are not in a, you are not in a very small minority. You are, it is almost, like I said, it's almost evenly split. So very, very good, sir. Um, if someone wants to reach you, what's the best way to do it, Dave? Um, for the business, it's Dave at in-sightfulliving.com. Okay. I will include Don't that. Don't forget email. the hyphen because the hyphen is important. I will include that in the email address. I will include a link to the book. Um, I also, you have a Facebook page, I see. Um, and Don't, I, don't put the Facebook in there. I will not do that then. Good. Make a note of that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Otherwise, yeah. I, don't, I don't. Who knows who will friend me? Absolutely. Day. Yes. Edit out the end. Told you. You've done this before. Yes. What was hilarious, Dave? Um, and I will edit all this out. Um, I had like three guys. I was doing friendship episodes. So I was having people that had bonded over Bruce's music. And so I told the same thing I told you, we try not to cuss, but if you absolutely have to, you know, and these three guys very quickly forgot they were being recorded and they were, you know, fuck this. And they they were hilarious. And I had to listen to the whole episode with my like, okay, make a note, beep. Beep, beep, beep. It was just, I mean, it, was, it ended up being hilarious because, you know, people could tell what they were saying, but that right. way I didn't get a, a uh, an explicit rating, but it was just, and afterwards they said, we're so sorry. I'm like, no, no, no. You guys were on a roll. It was fine. I was glad to do it. 
it's tough for me because I, yeah, I swear quite a bit. I'm like, yeah. nope, change that word. Nope, got to nope, change yeah, that word. Change that, yeah. All right. Uh, coming back. Um, Dave, this was great. I, I'm so happy that you took some time to visit with me and share your stories. Uh, we will have to have you on again. Maybe as the playoffs get closer, we'll talk a little baseball. Um, anytime you have something to promote, whether it's a seminar or a new book, feel free to reach out to me and I'd love to have you join me again, okay? Well, thank you so very much. This has been a, a lot of fun. I totally wasn't sure what to expect and I, it's been great to just talk music and life and advocacy and, and, and stuff like that. And if anyone, a completely random thing, but if anyone ever gets a chance, people have their Born in the USA albums and I think my album that comes up for me all the time. And the, the album I play multiple times, like you said about Pet Sounds, is uh, White Ladder by David Gray. Is uh, White Ladder by David Gray. You know what? Let's plan in a couple of months. I will check that out. And then I will have you join that me. Record, that record changed my life, man. That's, uh, that's what I, White Ladder, David Gray, you said? Yeah. All right. All right. I will check that out and then maybe I'll have you back on and we'll talk about that. I think that would be a lot of fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, All right. Hang tight while I do a little business. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. Please um, go get vaccinated. Go uh, continue to social distance, wear your mask. Let's be good to each other. We got to get through this thing. And the only way we're going to get through it is by being good with to each other. Thank you for the support. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a fabulous day. Dave, thank you again for joining me. I I feel like I've made a new friend, and that's always a happy thing when I'm doing a podcast. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlustingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Brew shirts as well as a Merry Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.